Hello listeners, and good evening to those tuning in on Radio Sega. It's me, Dan Driver, with a fortnightly dose of Sega goodness. But I'm not alone. Back once again, he's not the Renegade Master, but he is the Gallop Hornet to my polygonal horse. It's James the Sega-holic. Welcome back, mate. <laughs> Thanks very much, mate. I'm, I'm delighted. Um, this has been far too long, mate. I'm, I've been looking forward to this literally all week since we sat down and had a chat about this um, massive session of recordings that we're going to embark on to, to get some content in the bag. So I wasn't to be back. Uh, great topic to be coming back to. Um, you've kind of alluded to it there with the horn and the, the galloping horses, a bit of Daytona, uh, and I, I can't wait to get into it. So how's how's things been in the, the world of the Mega Driver? Yeah, uh, it's, it's busy, mate. Not as busy as you've been, but just uh, creative work and all the usual fun stuff that comes with, you know, being an adult, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> um, Why do we have to grow up? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I do like my games, but, you know, earning the money to pay for the games, uh, you know, the job's been a bit a bit, a bit tough lately. But, uh, there's, I mean, I've been getting into I've been doing my gaming, playing Sonic 2 again, had the Saturn on just before we just before we dialed in and uh, been really getting into God of War on the PS4 so that's what I've been up to mate yes good good choice very good choice that was my game of the generation last year um, brilliant storytelling loved the kind of one shot camera um, massive plot twist at the end if you don't get it at the time when all the clues are fired at you it's right up there with a sixth sense point to the gullible person who didn't see that Bruce Willis was dead um but now, nah, if, if you don't get the ending, um, it, it smacks you in the face and it's a, a proper jaw-dropping moment. So nah, I hope you enjoy that, mate. It's brilliant fun. Yeah, it's my favourite series on, on PlayStation God of War. I absolutely love it. I was a bit uh, you know, worried about the change of direction on this one, but uh, Mob Fears are unfounded. It's absolutely fantastic. But we digress. We're not here to talk about the God of War. We're the Sega guys, and we're going to make a rolling start to this new series if you want to tell our listeners about it mate yes so um as much as we love to kind of um have the my favorite sega stuff and we we kind of pick a random topic to chat about um but sometimes we feel as if you know maybe a title deserves a wee bit of the spotlight um not so much a title that's been forgotten by people but just maybe one that we enjoy playing or one that we've picked up that we've not played in a while uh or maybe even some games that we feel uh, as time passes aren't being given the respect uh, that they, they, they truly deserve and that maybe as the years are going on and more people are trying them out that perhaps the, the harsher words are starting to overpower 
the the good times that we enjoyed with the games. So this new series is called The Sega Guys Reviews. Uh, and what we'll be doing from time to time is just picking a game from across the, the Sega systems and, you know, just delving into it, looking at it, our memories of it, how it's scored in the day, how it's viewed in the current day, all that kind of great stuff. So, yeah, we've, I say we've, we've picked Daytona, I think, on, on the Saturn, I think it's, it's quite a polarising uh, topic. I put a tweet out um, just... <laughs> Off the cuff, I've actually muted it now because I just kept getting notifications. <laughs> and uh, I just basically said, you know, that um, Daytona USA on the Saturn is a better playing, and I emphasised the word playing um, in capital letters, um, arcade port than Ridge Racer on PS1. And that wasn't meant to be taken as a Ridge Racer is better, as a Daytona is better than Ridge Racer, which it is, but... Um, it wasn't how that tweet was intended. It was solely focusing on the fact that despite all its flaws, um, and we will get into those uh, as we go on, but the Saturn game, under the thumb, um, feels so much like the arcade game, uh, whereas Ridge Racer, I think, doesn't quite capture the arcade handling feel. It feels very much like a console game, whereas Daytona somehow managed to capture the feel of a Model 2 arcade machine. So, yep. That's what we're going to dig into today. So, um, very much looking forward to getting started with this brand new series. Yep, me too, mate. And uh, yeah, Daytona was the, the right one to start with. Especially, I was going to mention your tweet uh, blew up pretty much. And uh, <laughs> Ricky really sums up the, the the modern feeling around this game. And I think that's why it makes it such an interesting case study because we are when we're doing these review sections, I think we're going to be talking about all the various versions and we're going to be comparing various versions. But ultimately, we're going to be reviewing one version of the game and that version is going to be Daytona USA, the original Daytona USA on the Sega Saturn, not the Championship Circuit Edition, which we will be touching on. So brilliant topic, mate. Uh, can't wait to get stuck into it. It's uh, because <laughs> it's it's. I think it was polarizing then and it is polarizing now, which is why it makes it so interesting. <laughs> Aye, um, it's, it is quite amusing that a game that old, you know, it's from being like a, a Saturn launch title. Um, and I think even the stigma that that was attached to it around then, um, again, I felt it did review well, and we'll touch on the reviews, but a lot of the kind of stuff that was said back then kind of gets maybe looked up and regurgitated now. But I think you've, you've got to remember that A, what the Saturn was capable of and what it was originally designed to do. B, just how revolutionary Daytona USA was when it came out in the arcades. Uh, there's a Digital Foundry video, a DF Retro, um, Daytona, why frame rate has always mattered, which is quite funny because the video is titled Why Frame Rate's Always Mattered, but then they praise how well the Saturn version plays, which runs at about 20, 25 frames per second. So it's, <laughs> it's quite a kind of... Anyway, but, you know... Uh, this Model 2 game literally was light years ahead of everything. Um, you look at PC racing games back then, again, on DF Retro's episode, they, they show you um, the latest, at that time, PC racing game running. The name escapes me, but there was nothing in the home, even the arcade, that was doing what Daytona did, not with in terms of texture polygons, not in terms of frame rate. Um, so you've got to kind of take that into account of just what the Saturn was trying to replicate at the price point it was at. Um, and I think it did a hell of a job 
despite all its flaws, as we've said, of, of just capturing that arcade feel. It feels like Daytona. It might look like your dog's dinner, right? But, and even that, <laughs> but, you know, it just, it feels that there hasn't been a port that has captured the feel of the arcade version between the Saturn original and until the PS360 port, which is now on Xbox One and, and Xbox Series consoles as well through backwards compatibility. Absolutely agree, mate. But we'll get we'll deep dive into all of those aspects of it. I think for any listener that isn't familiar with Daytona, I think first of all we'll give them a little bit of, of background. So back in the early early nineties, when the Mega Drive and the SNES were in you know the ascendancy, there were things like the 3DO and the Atari Jaguar on the horizon. But 1991 was it? Virtual Racing came out, uh, or nineteen ninety two? Jeez. Um, and that used the Model 1 board, the same board in 1993, which, you know, you, Virtual Fighter 1 used uh, for flat, flat shaded polygons. Um, looks basic by today's standards, but uh, back then they were they were pretty mind-blowing to see things move like that, right? Yep, yep. Um, obviously, Sega and Namco at the time, you know, enormous rivals. You talk about their Sega-Sony rivalry and the Saturn and PlayStation, but they were just as fierce rivals in the arcade with Namco. So Sega were fighting on two fronts. So virtual, <laughs> Sega gives everyone virtual racing, and Namco were like, we need something better. So Namco come out with Ridge Racer. Ridge Racer! <laughs> wow, then... what a start! <laughs> oh, that announcer, I'm sorry. No. <laughs> Oh yeah, oh, I love him personally, but there we go. But Mate, then so there was a guy. Sorry, there was a guy put a, replied to me in a tweet that Daytona tweet, and uh, he put up Rotter Damnation right for Ridge Racer as he's because I'd put up like Let's Go Away, right? You know, nice and cheap. Let's go away, you know, pop soundtrack, <laughs> yeah. and he put up Rotter Damnation right. And it, honestly, it's like it reminds me of the pirate radio stations for the nineties, the happy hardcore stuff. It's like I says to him, mate, see if you could put an audio form of a migraine it would literally sound like that track <laughs> it's honestly not a chance but hey sorry this is oh no worries mate it's uh so yeah ridge racer came out and then sega had to beat it so how do they how do they beat it? well they've been working with lockheed martin at the time they'd created the model 2 board and they needed something to, to battle ridge racer so daytona was actually pitched by the head of arcades in sega america um, who suggested stock car racing um, along the lines of, of Days of Thunder, apparently, as the story goes. Well, listen to the, the pit crew guy. <laughs> That's Robert Duval, isn't it, really? Oh, it is, yeah. <laughs> You're building up tires. <laughs> it's got its DNA all the way through it. it? Robin's racing, son. You wonder if you take away the textures on the on the windscreens that's got all the reflection and you see a little uh, little polygonal Tom Cruise sitting in there. <laughs> oh, yeah. But uh, Toshihiro Nagoshi, uh, who Sega fans should know from classics like Yakuza, he's the he's the head of uh, Ryota Ghost Studio. He's uh, been behind the Monkey Ball series. He's worked on pretty much everything from. <laughs> From Daytona to Shenmue to Yakuza, um, he's even dabbled with Sonic and been a producer in that. So, so I mean, we talk about you know Yuji Naka and Yu Suzuki, um, but uh, Nagoshi is uh, is he he's he's been in Sega the longest now and seems to be that they're they're beating heart. I would say, I say uh, he's certainly one of the foundations. You know, that's a, a hell of a 
a legacy that he's got there, you know, I mean, going all the way back, and the fact that he's, he's still involved with Yakuza and the success of that, brilliant, long may it continue. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, Yuki Suzuki was involved with Daytona USA. He was he was supporting. Um, he was a very busy man at that stage. Um, <laughs> Watching Kung Fu movies for Virtua Fighter. <laughs> yeah, uh, working on the sequel. He, he was, he, I think he was the lead on Virtua Cop as well. So he, he had his hands full with so many things. So natural that Nagoshi took over. Um, yeah, so, so <laughs> I think similar to, to that, though, I think they all sat there watching stock car races and uh, Days of Thunder to create Daytona USA and you know the end result was this quirky very Japanese take on what's normally a very dry and serious uh, American sport <laughs> but uh, it was released in 1993 and was a critical and commercial success it's apparently the highest grossing sit-down cabinet ever and I don't know about you mate but I was still seeing these all the way up until Mid two thousands, maybe even later, they were like the last things you see in a in an arcade. People mm-hmm. still going on them. Right. I mean, you still seen the original Daytona far more than a sequel. I mean, I'd only ever seen the sequel once, um, and that was in the kind of the usual arcade that I went to uh, in the city centre. So, um, but Daytona seemed to pop up, you know, um, you know, bowling. It was really popular, like kind of bowling alleys as well. Yeah, we used to kind of pop up there. Um, I it was it hung around. I mean, I don't know how responsive or how uh, how well maintained <laughs> the the machines would be because it must have taken an absolute battering. Oh you yeah. Know, you think of how long ago it came out, and the fact that it was still popping up, as you said, at like early two thousands. You know, you were still seeing it kind of as we say, little around maybe the odd arcade or, um, you know, I don't know, maybe try to think of other places I'd noticed it. Yeah, and bowling alleys was the kind of main. I remember, I'm sure I seen one. It was a, it was a bowling alley at the, was it the Glasgow Key? There was one beside the Odeon Cinema. I'm sure there was a Daytona in there as well, beside a Star Wars arcade machine. Actually, so, um, I crazy that it's got that longevity and it continues to do so even in the home. Yeah, no, it really is, mate. I mean, that's funny that you said bowling alley because that's where the last one that I regularly played on was. Uh, we had one in where I grew up in a bowling alley. Now, when I was 16 to 18 uh, maybe a little bit older but when i was flirting with underage drinking or doing underage drinking <laughs> graduating to legal drinking <laughs> that's where me and my uh my my chums would uh we'd all, we'd all go to the local bowling alley because they had a bar in but was it was that bar central i can't remember off the top of my head what the name was but it's something like that so they had the bar and then they had the a pool table in there and outside was the bowling alley and that's just where all the the little hoodlums are going in and we'd get we'd go in there and have a few drinks and I do remember playing Daytona a lot after a few. Um, it's a bit naughty, really, because, you know, we were we were teenagers then. And we'd, we'd walk down to this bowling alley from, I'm sorry, we're going off on a tangent here. but <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I don't think we've usually went off on gaming tangents, but I went off into underage drinking at bowling alleys tangents. Yeah. So <laughs> don't try it at home. Breaking yeah. new ground on the Sega guys. <laughs> there is a gaming point to it all. <laughs> please continue <laughs> so yeah we'd um we'd go and we'd get a uh, half a bottle of vodka from the from our local shop and uh and two cans of red bull and we'd down half the bottle and then top it up with the red bull and then drink the rest and we'd be we'd be tiddled by the by the time we already got to the bowl and so once we were at the actual bar we were just topping up but we had play on the daytona machines fairly regularly at this point and i just remember thrashing the wheel around and <laughs> 
moving that gear stick like a lunatic, you know, trying to <laughs> trying to nail that trying to nail that turn on the on the three seven speedway. I'm just giving voices of you sitting there pushed do, 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 smack <laughs> let's go away <laughs> that, that's probably why they're in such a state but that was that must have been 2001 so yeah it'd been in the arcades for eight years at that point um, still getting thrashed around by pissheads <laughs> the world over <laughs> Oh, superb. Oh, dear. But yeah, uh, obviously, tremendously successful arcade game, idolized by so many. And obviously, as you've already mentioned, the Digital Foundry video, you know, very important to gaming today. It's it, They talked about how getting a an arcade perfect conversion was such a, such a massive thing because it hadn't happened until, well, we'll get onto that later on. But... Obviously, the Sega Saturn was on its way in 1994, and they needed they needed games for it. And arcade games seemed to be the, the desired approach um, naturally for Sega, who had that arcade heritage. Um, now, there was I saw a lot of previews on this, and I don't know if you've seen, seen any of these, James. But when I was looking up, and you know, we talked about the Saturn Chronicles that we will get onto eventually, but a lot of the previews for the Sega Saturn actually talk about the fact that they're seeing versions of Daytona USA running on the Saturn hardware. And a lot of these previews all say, wow, it's it's amazing. It's it's so close to the arcade. It's like having the arcade at home. I've never seen any graphics like this. Have, did you read anything like that at all? No, mate, I did not, but I would love to manage to find some, you know, screen grabs or them to actually see, you know, what they were talking about. So does that maybe make you think that there was, they seen different builds? Because... That story sounds very similar to um, if you read the preview of Sega Touring Car and Sega Saturn magazine. The difference between the preview and the review is quite alarming um, because they talk about how they've seen it and it looks amazing and it's up there with Sega Rally in terms of a port and then they get the actual code and then they, they rip it to bits. So I wonder if that's maybe something similar with Daytona. Maybe was it a a different build that was in preview and it became the version that we got. It would be interesting to kind of to see that. Yeah, I'd love to know because that really stuck out of me because when I was reading these quotes saying about how Daytona looks arcade perfect on there, I was like, well, hang on. Are we talking about the sand version of Daytona here? Um, so I've got two two schools of thought. Either it was an early build that in the, as you or three schools of thought. Either it was an early build, as you were saying, that differed to the end product. Um, it wasn't running on Sega hardware. It was uh, just uh, footage captured in development. Or it was the Saturn game. And because of the context, and bearing in mind the date and the time that we're looking at this, we're looking at this mid-1994, mid, mid early 1994. And the things you've got out there is you've got the Atari Jaguar. You've got uh, the 3DO where the most you know, impressive games are stuff like Crash and Burn and uh, uh, Need for Speed. Um, you compare Daytona to that, you can compare the Sega Saturn to the 3DO and Jaguar hardware, and it, it really does seem like a, almost a generational leap. So maybe with those eyes, and this is why I think this review is going to be interesting, if you look at it with the eyes of someone in 1993, 1994, then it does look 
amazing. That's it. I mean, I think that's that's the kind of the kind of inspiration behind this new series is that we want to kind of review games and and try and use that kind of experience and kind of go back and try and recall those memories that we have from seeing these games at that time and try and kind of bring that forward and maybe not try to kind of roast tint things but you, you've got to you've got to base you know the kind of retro games in their time it's it's really really unfair to to bring them you know screaming into 2021 and then judge them on those standards because you play stuff like the Forza Horizon 5 coming out, man, it looks photorealistic, the way that camera swoops down and goes behind yeah. the cars. I mean, that's just insane. So obviously, if if you, and no, you kind of talk, you know, if, if you weren't there and all that kind of stuff, it's obviously if you come to a retro game whenever you come to it and if you embrace it and you love it, then brilliant, that's great. But if you didn't play Daytona or see Daytona at home at that time, and if you only come to it now where you've got, all these other generations of consoles that have imparted and you know the or they've made an impression on you. You know, they have they're in there. You, you can't unsee the leaps in, in technology. So if you're going back the way for the first time, it will look and it will play badly. But that doesn't mean it's a bad game. You know, it is it's you have to think about, as we said, the context and when it was released, what was available at the time what the comparable games were in the home and the fact that this was a Model 2 arcade machine that cost tens of thousands. And this wee £400 black plastic box was doing its damnedest to bring it home. And in terms of handling, it should as hell did. Absolutely, mate. So, yeah, it, it's, it, it, it's, you're right. It's uh, it's not so much that you, you, you kind of had to be there, but you kind of have to... It's not. I don't think it's been roasted to say that the way it looked back then... And they, they, obviously, there will be comparisons to Ridge Racer, but when you look at how it looked and what it was trying to do, I think um, I think it didn't it didn't do a perfect job, but it did an admirable admirable job. But I mean, so it came out in Japan in 1994, which I think in Japan it was a few months after Ridge Racer because Ridge Racer was a PS1 game, a PS1 launch game, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, in Japan. Yeah, uh, but obviously, Daytona USA was a launch game in the US and the UK. Um, so I guess we'll, we'll talk about how that turned out. Um, so I think the, probably the first thing is is the graphics. So as you say, it's, it's, it's trying to ape a piece of technology, which is, you know, it's bleeding edge. <laughs> it, <laughs> I, think, I think if you... It's, there's, I don't think there's a modern-day comparison for this. I think the closest you could get, maybe, is trying to compare maybe a... New con- a new console, maybe a Series S or Series X or PS5, to the most expensive graphic cards, graphics cards you can buy running in SLR. I don't think even that comes close. I mean, we're talking about arcade boards, which are custom built, costing tens of thousands of pounds compared to, as you say, a small little black console, which cost, <laughs> you know, a, a fraction of that, 400 quid. So what it was trying to do was was pretty, pretty admirable. Um so yeah, there there was some issues with the with the graphics, wasn't there? Unfortunately, yeah. with the Saturn version, I think that's where it gets the the most stick for. Yeah, and the thing that, that everybody brings up first and foremost is the pop in. Um, yeah. the the pop in, it's not quite um, Gale Racer levels, or that that's the Saturn Japanese port of of Rad Mobile, but 
that that literally, unless you memorise where the cars are coming, man, you've no chance with that. That's just that literally has pop in right in front of your eyes. So it's nowhere near as bad as that. That uh, game is baffling though, because I, that's, that's a super scalar game. Why they went to polygons and then did it badly? Exactly. You know, it's like like there's no reason why Gale Racer's not arcade perfect. Like you had two D sprites for the cars, and then you decided to change it to polygons, and that's what resulted in you dropping your draw distance. Just port it as it is. Yeah, I mean, I still, I still, I still love Gale Racer. Right. Um, uh, it's it's great to play, and when you mesmerise things, I love the turning the wipers on and turning your lights on. Exactly, it's great. Yeah, it's lovely, but yeah, it's a shame about that port. But anyway, mate. Ah, right, there we go. <laughs> Continue. I've, I've been. I've been back for 20 minutes and we've had about four tangents already. <laughs> you were regimental, mate, in the two episodes that you've done solo. Regimental, to the point, James comes back, tangent, tangent, tangent. Um, yeah. But, but I, 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 it's, it's my fault. Um, but I, I mean, the, the thing people brought up was the pop-in, or oh, the pop-in's bad. And I, but it, it's not detrimental to playing the game. It might annoy you. Um, it may... I don't know, it might be something that, that maybe irritates your eyes and it may distract you, I don't know, but it's not it's not as in your face as in like the tracks literally the next bit under your wheel is popping up as it, the wheel hits it. It's not that close to you. Um so you can still see far enough down the road, anticipate your next turn. It seems to be more it's not the track that pops in, it's the background that pops in. Yeah. Um, and I mean you were mentioning like the Japanese version and the PAL version, and to be fair, Math, the PAL version, if you do play it, obviously you've got the borders, it's 17.5% slower. Um, that version is the worst of the Saturn ones, so if anybody's listening and they haven't played the Tone and the Saturn, then maybe we're, we're piquing your interest and making you want to have a look at it, please, by all means, play the, the NTSC, any of the NTSC versions, um, and just make sure you're playing it in 60 hertz because that's where you can really enjoy Daytona on the Saturn at its optimal. But, you know, in terms of visuals, the pop-in is the main thing. But I think in terms of what it's trying to do to capture the look of the arcade, you know, the amount of cars, there's 40 cars yeah. on the track. I mean, the things get 40 cars on that track. That's that's a tech achievement on its own. All the cars are all kind of different. They're all different colours, you know, designs and whatnot. They're decals. Um, the the main car, the Hornet that you drive, it, it's a fantastic representation of the arcade one. You know, even if you get damaged and the the back is bouncing away there, and if you, you you'd have a crash. Um, so in terms of as you said, trying to ape that that kind of that tens of you know tens of thousands of, of quid arcade machine, it does a very admirable, admirable job of, of recreating the visual look. Um, but again, it's, it's very scaled down. There's that kind of term again, scalability. It scales yeah. down. It's very scaled. But um, I the, the pop-in was one thing, but I think as rough as it does look, um, it's, a, it's an admirable job. It was never going to be as smooth, as sharp, Um is the arcade version, but again, it's a 400 quid wee plastic box that sits in the house plugged into your telly through a SCART cable or an RF cable, you know (laughs) (laughs) you've got to look at it in the context of what it was trying to do at the time it did it and 
you know, again, to the eyes back then, you're coming from Lotus Turbo Challenge, you're coming from Need for Speed, you're coming from Jaguar XJ220 on the Amiga or the Mega CD, and then you load that up. And you've got 40 cars on a track with a wee guy shouting in your ear about burning up the tyres while Takanobu Mitsuyoshi's going, you know, in your ears, you know. (laughs) But I mean... Yeah. I, I think the pop-in was probably more... It is an eyesore, I think. And when I was reading the reviews of it, I mean, I one of the first like, reviews I saw of it was in Sonic the Comic, and they mentioned the pop-in. And I was like, well, what's, what's that? And then when I finally <laughs> got my copy of it, I was like, oh, oh. Um, I think it's... Sonic the Comic reviewed games? Yeah, yeah, they had little reviews in there. That's quality. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they phased it out towards the end, if I remember. Um, I'm... I'm I'm listening to Sonic the Comic the podcast at the moment where they go through every issue and oh. I've got my I've got my physical one, so it's uh that's a nice little, <laughs> little activity. Do, do, do you do you read your physical one that they're reviewing at the same time? Yeah, okay, oh, it's quality, mate. It's quality. <laughs> Brilliant. Love it. But yeah, they used to review games and yeah, so they said pop in and I was like, What's pop in? And then that's when I realised Oh, when I finally got my cop- my copy of it in 1996, uh, oh wow, that's what popping is. Um, seeing huge chunks of the of the track appear, as you say, mate, it's not as bad as some games, but uh, it was noticeable and was a bit of an eyesore. Um, the frame rate as well, definitely agree there. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's it does doesn't look smooth, um, and yeah, it's even worse when you play the power version. Although I do still play the power version because. The power version wasn't optimized. Um, it wasn't made full screen, and I think that's one of the worst things about it is that the window is pretty small. Aye, aye it's like the first time you've seen Star Wars in the widescreen edition. It's like <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're uh, it's like someone won't let you into their house to see Plato and USA, so you have to see through the letterbox. Do you, yeah, sorry, tangent again. Do you, <laughs> do you remember whenever VHSs, whenever they were promoting like upcoming widescreen releases. Oh, I do, yeah. And it was like widescreen as it was meant to be seen. And it went, <laughs> and I was like, ooh, kind of wait to see that. <laughs> that was like Daytona, basically. You were getting a, a, a deluxe widescreen version. That was it. It was ahead of its time, mate. <laughs> well, there we go. Well, we're stretching here, mate. We're stretching. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 I, yeah, it, the, there's massive borders on it. But I think if you play the PAL version, you've got to flick the 60 hertz switch. You've got to play it in 60 hertz somehow. I think that's probably the best way to play it because it's you know full speed then. You've expanded the display so that you, you're playing at an NTSC resolution, which gets rid of some of the PAL borders. And it, in that in those terms, it's, it looks a little better. But yeah, it's still cropped. It's still just 20 frames per second. Mm. And it's the resolution's pretty low. Some of the textures are pretty muddy on there. But I agree with you, mate, yeah. on the on the on the actual rendition of the game. Better than any other version until we got arcade perfect ports a lot later. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it nailed the look of the car. Obviously, there's compromises in the level of detail and there's compromises in resolution of textures um, and everything else and geometry. But, you know, if you look at them, you know what that car is meant to be. If you look at that car in 2001 or Championship Circuit Edition, if you look at that car on its own, maybe obscure the word Hornet on there that doesn't give it away. If you took that Hornet word out, it's not the Daytona car, whereas the Sand version, you can look at it and, yeah, that's the Daytona car. Yep, yep. So it's the graphics. I don't think they're terrible. I think it's a mixed bag. They're authentic, but there's a lot of issues. 
I think yep. is the way I'd put it. Yeah, I think the, the word we used at the start of the show was flaws. You know, I think I think that's a fair a fair word to use. Um, the it's a, a fair attempt to you know represent you know a real representation of the arcade game, but there are obvious flaws. But at the same time, the flaws don't detract from for me anyway the experience of having Daytona in the home. No, not at all. And I think again, just coming back to where we were at the time, nineteen ninety five when this was released there hadn't been much out that, that looks anything like this. Ridge Racer was obviously a fantastic port for the PlayStation. And that was, that was the crown jewel in, in that systems lineup, you know, in, mm-hmm. in its early days, it wasn't, it didn't have a virtual fighter. It did have to Shindon later, which we've mentioned enough times. We won't go into that, <laughs> into that again, but uh, it didn't have that killer app aside from Ridge Racer. So they had to get that 100% right, which, which they did. But then Ridge Racer was, on you know less powerful hardware it doesn't have 40 cars on the track well even even forza horizon and forza motorsport don't have 40 cars on the track these days but it didn't have the complex layouts that daytona has didn't have the 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 graphics that daytona had in the arcade so it's kind of like you know i don't want to do ridge racer on ps1 of the service because it's a fantastic port and a fantastic Mm -hmm. game yep but it's kind of like you get two kids, you ask one to copy a drawing of Captain America in a Marvel comic, and you get the other one to copy Mona Lisa. <laughs> I think I think when it comes to Ridge Racer, you're right, it's a brilliant port, right? And it was the kind of the crown one of the crown jewels for the PlayStation launch. Also, I don't know if was Wipeout a UK launch title for the, the PlayStation as well. I believe Wipeout was a UK launch game, no. but I don't think it came out until it was well after Daytona. Right. So, I mean, you've got those kind of games, but I mean, I think, you know, Ridge Racer is more fairly compared to Virtua Racing. I think that's a more yeah. fair comparison. I don't think the way Daytona is is chastised in terms of, oh, look how good Ridge Racer is. Well, Ridge Racer's less powerful arcade hardware, so it's an easier, you know, inverted call, easier port for PlayStation to do with its superior hardware. Whereas Saturn is trying to... I mean, that's the thing the Digital Foundry review said, the, the retro video, is that like Daytona was the first game that made John Lineman notice what frame rate was. Yeah. Now that's yeah. a but that's a big that's a big thing for I mean, for where that guy's career's went and what he does on, on Digital Foundry, for him to say that Daytona is a game that as a young man made him sit up and go, Oh, that's what frame rate is. You know, so that was a game that, that 60 FPS, it made you sit up and go, Jesus, that look how that's 3D graphics, they're fully textured mapped, and it's moving at 60 FPS. And the difference was tangible, you could see it and you could feel it. So people go, ah, PlayStation, you know, had Ridge Racer, and it was a, a far better portable, it's less, less powerful arcade hardware. Whereas, as you said, you know, Captain America drawing from a comic, Mona Lisa. Yeah, and that's not to do the disservice to Rich Racer. No, it's, um, it's a crack. I mean, I had fun on it. You know, I went, I went back the way and played it because um, I didn't get a PlayStation until 97. Um, and obviously, went back and played it. And I've enjoyed, you know, Rage Racer. Didn't enjoy Rage Racer Revolution, but um, Rage Racer, love Rage Racer. And Rage Racer Type 4 is just fucking ridiculously good game. Uh, yeah. Aye. So, no one here sitting going, Rage Racer's crap. By any means, it's, it's a great series, but I just think the PlayStation had better hardware than Saturn, 
and it was porting an inferior arcade technology to what Saturn, with less technology to PlayStation, was trying to port the superior hardware in the arcade. Yeah, well, I think, yeah, it's, it was easier to get the 3D games running on PlayStation. Um, I think it was it was definitely the fact that it was tra- it was the fact that the PlayStation was so much more so much simpler to develop for. Yeah. 3D orientated, you know, that they, they designed it for 3D out of the box. That's it, yeah. Um it was basically made for Ridge Racer. Well it was made for Virtual Fighter, but you know, if you can't get Virtual Fighter and you <laughs> Sega's greatest rivals, then <laughs> it's gonna be made for Ridge Racer, isn't it? So yeah. Um whereas the Saturn was kind of made for Virtual Fighter One initially, um, until it had that second CPU thrown in. But yeah, as I say, mate, graphically I think mixed bag it's it's got its flaws but it's it's probably as authentic as you could probably get until much later but Mm -hmm. um one place where it did do exceptional in my opinion is the sound oh i've seen this in the notes and i'm like i can't wait to get to the sound but that wee bit. I don't know what you said. Let's go away. Can you can you beat it honestly? No. Still still one of the best gaming soundtracks ever. You can't help but smile when you're playing it. No, he, he can't. He can't help but smile when he's singing it, though, can he? Oh, that that video is nine years old, man. And honestly, I want to have as much fun at my work as as Takenobu Mitsuyoshi has. has. <laughs> honestly, he's away playing air piano, air guitar, air drums, and he's jazz handing at the camera and winking and pointing. Oh, what a guy, man! Honestly, infectious, oh, utterly infectious. But I mean. The the soundtrack was one of those things where you hear it playing in the arcade and that makes you go over the thing. Oh, what's this? Mm-hmm. Aye. Aye. Um, but um, the sat the, that's it in the arcade. But on the Saturn, it's probably fair to say it's better, right? Aye, it's not. Um, <laughs> the, the best thing I can say is that the arcade soundtrack sounds like shells get a hold of it. It's <laughs> it's, it's auto tuned to hell. Um, whereas I think the the Saturn range um, is a, a lot more natural of of, of kind of representation of of Takanobu's, um vocals. He's not quite as as yeah. digitised. Um, and and on the 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 now that's what I call Sega Volume One, where we we picked our, our tracks, and the, the one I had chosen was Let's Go Away, which was the Saturn version, which I do think's better than the arcade one, a hundred percent. But what a soundtrack, honestly. Yeah, superb soundtrack. Um, all the songs on there are, you know, so iconic. Whether it's uh, <laughs> "Let's Go Away," "Blue Blue Skies," and um, <laughs> uh, God, I can't remember the other one now. What's the other one from Three Seven Speedway? Uh, um, if it rolling start, is that what it's called? Rolling start. <laughs> Blowing. And we're gonna have to we're gonna have to put a few of these in for the listeners. While, we're, while they're playing this episode. Oh, definitely. Aye. I think whenever we're, we're talking about these, we need to, need to have them in the background, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the the music is better than Arcade Perfect, isn't it? And I think, you know, for me, I never got a Mega CD until, you know, I was an adult. So I never had a CD system, game system, until the Sega Saturn. And coming from the Sega Mega Drive, 
which you know i love the way the mega drive sounds but let's not pretend that it did speech sampling very well you know you play in there were some terrible ports sound wise on there. As much as I love Street Fighter 2 on there, the old. Uh, <laughs> on, uh, <laughs> is that. Uh, yeah, the, the <laughs> Especially when you've got two of them going. It's like. It's a, yeah. the, the hurricane kick always gets me. It's a, it's a, it sounds like he's saying, come back next Thursday. <laughs> come back next Thursday! <laughs> Can, see that's it I've just ruined it for, for everybody who that's it that's all you'll hear that's all we're going to think of when I say uh, that you've already written kill it for me we're cooking my dinner uh, cooking my dinner pizza today <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah just hearing audio this clean coming from a console was uh, amazing but the the sound effects are brilliant as well um, you know you already mentioned the uh, <laughs> rolling thunder Robert Duvall impression <laughs> that the game does you're burning up the tires <laughs> try oh, to go not. try to go easy on the car <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's just a, it's just top drawer across the board for it this, this, well, we... the, the music is brilliant the voice is a spot on uh, and the car effects are, are brilliant you know the, the, the screeching of the tires the revving of the engines it, even when uh, you crash into the side of the, of the wall and your car your car comes away all haggard and you've got the tires <laughs> screeching it's, uh, yeah I don't think anyone I don't think any review that I've ever seen of it mentions the sound how good the sound is but it's easily the best sound in racing game of that of that era Aye. I mean, the only announcer, I mean, the Sega Rally guy is pretty generic, right? You know, the easy, easy left, easy right, that. But the only one that kind of comes close to the cheesiness, the utterly brilliant cheesiness of Daytona, is Max TT Superbike. Oh, yes. <laughs> Passing the checkpoint. <laughs> so, you know, it's just, Sega, Max TT Superbike. It's like, calm down, <laughs> calm down, mate. It's Isla Man. I, I, love when, uh, I love it when he, um, you've got, when you've got the arcade versions. Um, and it, it's the various versions of it. And the only one, the one that I remember, but he said something different for all of them. But I remember the one where he says, Sega Max TT Superbike Twin. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> yeah. That's you know, the dual cabinet. I can't, there's, there's various ones. And I can't remember any of the other builds. I'd have to look out sometime. But yeah, the, the very specific arcade cabinet that's there. So the two player one was Twin. And. <laughs> Honestly, you can get insurance on YouTube somewhere. Oh, blow it. I need to look that up. Just to make sure that you realise you could play with somebody else. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you, two of you can play this. <laughs> the, the solo version. Sega, Max GT Superbike, you have no friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, dear. Bye. No, the, the Daytona guy is blowing. Great, another time extension. <laughs> Your time has been extended. Please select, please select the race course. Uh, please select manual or automatic transmission. Automatic. <laughs> <laughs> and then the music, the sounds like wee. <laughs> select. I. Uh, it's the most, you know. In your face audio, whatever you're just moving the, the the square across to to pick your track in your car, blowing. Yeah. And then, Gentlemen, start your engines. I mean, mate, let's, let's step back a bit, actually. Let's step back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, you booting this on for the first time. You're booting it. I booted up on Sega Saturn. And I played, I played it sparingly in the arcade. And the first thing you see 
is the the attract mode 40 cars going across the screen hi then then the title screen drops down in that brilliant way starts press starts flashing hit start then it's pre-select a race course pre-select manual automatic transmission automatic Gentlemen, start your engines. Rolling start. And that's just... <laughs> I you... I, you cannot name a better introduction to playing a single video game than that. It's like it's literally just attacking your eyeballs and your ears, isn't it? It's like... It <laughs> as you say, see that, that first moment, you know, obviously you get the kind of wee, the wee Sega jingle that you got for like VF1 and, and Daytona. When the logo came yeah. up, the doodle-doodle-doodle-doodle-doodle. Oh, the AM2 one, yeah. Aye, that. And then, as you say, you see these cars all sweep across the screen, and then the camera swoops round. Then, as the Hornet's taking the corner, the camera comes round behind it to, to the rear view. And then, as you say, the title screen drops down, press start, and it's just an assault in the senses. You know, yeah. and the, lo- the loading times aren't that bad either. So, no. you know, they're, they're really, really snappy. So you're just literally tossed right in there. You are. It's like literally, gentlemen, start your engines, and within seconds, you're trying, you're hurtling around three seven speedway on the rolling start. Probably. Um, it's hard not to be impressed. Back then, anyway. Aye, exactly. You know, again, for for what it was doing at that time on the hardware, it was doing it on just ridiculous. Yeah, but we've we've had the, the loving on the sound, mate. The gameplay. Yes. How is it? I think, um, again, despite the the muddy textures, despite the popping, despite the frame rate, and it's going to be like people sitting there going, so you'll see the frame rate is crap, the textures are muddy. Uh, why, why do you love this game so much? <laughs> but it's like, I say, despite all that, the controls are insanely responsive. Like, there's no lag. Like, the car twitches under your thumb, you move left, right, it moves, you slam the brake on and go into a, a power slide or a drift, not a problem. You know, it literally feels like the arcade game. And again, it, that might sound daft, but for this wee controller in your hand to be so responsive and just literally to capture that that outstanding feeling of, you know, you know yourself, you come to that last hairpin, that bend on the 3.7 speedway. Oh yeah. If you don't, if you don't go into your, your drift at the right point, your ass is hitting that wall and you're going up in the air. You know, you might, you can sometimes maybe get away with it and you just gently come into the the exit of the turn with the front right-hand corner of the car and you get away with it, but you lose some time. But the controls are just so responsive um, that you would think for a game that's got such a low frame rate compared to the arcade that there would be maybe a lag or, you know, a, a you know, it just might not feel responsive. You might be fighting with the controller. You're not. It plays like an absolute bloody dream. And there was no port of Daytona in the house that that captured the feeling under your thumb. It's, it's insane that they managed to get to translate that from a steering wheel in an arcade cabinet onto a, a wee plastic D pad on a on a Saturn controller. It's insane that, that I don't know how much work they must have put in. To and testing to get that feel because they obviously knew. I think they would have looked at it and went, "Right, this this looks pretty rough compared to the arcade." But see, as long as it plays at like the arcade, then I think 
we might get away with one here. And I think that's what they did. I think they focused so much on getting the feel right. And, and they really did. I just it's, it's insane that despite all the kind of flaws we've mentioned, under the thumb, it feels so responsive and so like the arcade machine. Yeah, two, two admissions here on my part. The first one is that I didn't actually realise that it was 20 frames per second Aye. until it was called out in the Digital Foundry video. Yep, same. Aye. <laughs> 20 odd years later. Yep. I didn't, you know, when I read the back of Sega Rally, it said a smooth 30 frames per second. <laughs> Daytona looks a little choppier, but it didn't play choppier. It, it, it played like the arcade, which is where mission number two comes in. I actually found that what I'd practice at home mapped over to the arcade cabinet in yes. the bowling alley. Yes. Um, the, it, tum- the turning points, the point you hit brake, the point you hit the D-pad replicating the steering wheel to turn out of the corner and turn back out and straighten your car up, all of that mapped over. Absolutely. It was seamless. It, it felt like the arcade, which is an incredible achievement for a console which only had a D-pad controller at the time. Mm-hmm. It's it's you know a feat that it could only be surpassed by Sega Rally. Well, so it's <laughs> the frame rate didn't bother me. It's it it never had. It still doesn't. I still play this version of Daytona very regularly, and so mm-hmm. do you, mate. Nice. Those who follow you on Twitter and saw your tweets that would know. Mm-hmm. Nice. It's, it's great fun. It's, it's good to, to put on. I mean, I've actually started, not to the level I do on Sega Rally, but I've actually I cleared some space on my Saturn memory so I could actually save a Daytona save file. Um, and I've started to kind of try to beat some times as well. Um, uh, whether I get into it as much as I have with Sega Rally remains to be seen. But I, I go on it. I play it every day. It's just for five, ten minutes. It's, it's bloody great fun. Yeah, it's, it's brilliant fun. And it's perfect, as you say, mate. There's the the loading times on there. Uh, I think they're the quickest quickest out of any home version. I'm pretty sure the the Xbox 360 version takes a little longer to load as well. From memory, Sega guys say Sega Saturn is better than Xbox 360. <laughs> <laughs> you know let's what get, I mean. <laughs> let's get the picture in picture and put the loading screens up. <laughs> Oh, that's a challenge, though, isn't it? Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> I've, got, uh, I've, got, I've got a 360 next to my set. Uh, I, I might give that a try. <laughs> okay, I'll, I will leave that in your very capable hands, mate. Oh, I will. <laughs> I might do something for when this actually goes out. We'll see. But yeah, um, it plays perfectly, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've never played it with a wheel. I'd love to play it with the official wheel. Does the, does the official Sega wheel have force feedback or not? I don't no, think it, does, it doesn't. It? No, but it looks like Michael Knight's wheel and it's brilliant because of that. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> again, I had that, I had that with the Saturn wheel. And it, oh, did you? I, it was just, it was, I didn't like the, the Saturn arcade stick. It felt, it didn't have micro switches in the, the joystick. Mm-hmm. Um, it just didn't feel, not like the, the Dreamcast um, arcade stick really does feel like an arcade stick. But as the, the Saturn one felt like a, pardon me, like a like an Amiga arcade stick, it was yeah. rigid. It was very that was the most enjoyable at all. Because but the no the the steering wheel was great on the on the Saturn, um, quite plasticky and clunky, but um, it did the job. Um, I say it, it looked cool. It looked like Michael Knight's steering wheel, um, <laughs> and I it was again it added that extra extra layer um, to Sega Rally and Daytona. And obviously, your 
your manual, what would have been your, your bumpers on the controller were paddles. Yeah, either side um, of the center of the the wheel. So I was it was it was really it was good fun with the wheel. So was Sega Rally. Yeah, I think it was actually built with the. From what I understand, it was built with the the say, Daytona you were saying mine. I think they were developed in tandem, wasn't it? I think the wheel came out fairly early. It was quite an early peripheral, was it not? Can you mind when again it was Monko picked up? Literally, he just he just bought everything for the song. It was like <laughs> James, you play this on a weekend. Here's a home version. <laughs> <laughs> save, save me giving you 10 quid change every Saturday. <laughs> Play it loose. <laughs> so I, I don't remember the exact, you know, dates that they came out, but um, I remember he had it, and then when I got my own Saturn, like a year later, he just he gave me the peripherals and stuff like that um, to play back at my own house. But, um, so I don't remember the exact dates. But I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some kind of cross-development there that that was put in there in mind. Because um, it did, it did. I mean, I used to have a, a wee kind of fold-down table and I used to kind of sit it on top of that. Yeah, and I had a, oh, here we go, had a director's chair in my... <laughs> Sam, if you're listening to this, you'll remember that director's chair and me sitting there with that bloody fold-down table, sitting my starter steering wheel on it, playing away. Oh, great, great fun, great fun. Yeah, I, I would have loved to have one myself. I would... Um... I think you can tell that it was, it must have been developed in tandem um, because that, I think that must have helped the handling, handling get so spot on. Um, it does kind of work with the analog pad, although it's not ideal because it just thinks that the analog pad is just just the racing wheel. Yeah, yeah. I think, but just playing with a digital pad is, is yeah, spot on, mate. Absolutely spot on. But as well as it played, um, if we're talking, if we're doing this proper review terms, and we're doing it like '90s reviewers. <laughs> yes, I, I've noticed the, the the kind of the headings of each part. So it's that's good stuff. I like that. Yeah. yeah. So the longevity. How you know this was what forty five quid. Yes. And again, it's that thing where, you know, it's the way people's perceptions and expectations of games have changed. You know, it's quite weird in that. People would have said forty-five quid for three tracks, you know, and you've got mirror modes and whatnot. Yeah, and you're kind of seeing people going almost the same way now towards like cinematic games, where they're going sixty quid for God of War, you know. And I'm like, well, hold on a minute, the story that gives you, it's like, how many hours of entertainment does a film give you, you know, for what cinema prices now fifteen quid a ticket? Yeah, you know, so. You get about two, two and a half hours for 15 quid. I mean, God of War has got, you know, like customizable characters and, you know, different, you know, layers of story and it's a big, big campaign and things. So, you know, it's kind of quite interesting to see that there was a period where people were really, really happy with the content to cost ratio, but it seems to be people are bringing it up again. But the other way, it's like, well, you, know, you sit and you watch more than you play and I could go to the pictures and you charge me 70 quid and blah, blah, blah. But, Back then, I don't think the, the the cost of 45 quid for three tracks was quite an issue because, again, people had come from paying like 60, 70 quid for a cartridge um, to get like a port of Street Fighter 2 or Sonic, Sonic 2, Desert Strike, well, Super Mario. Retro Racing was 70 quid. Exactly. You America. know what I mean? Yeah. So, again, it's I think people back then appreciated that for 45 quid you were getting a version of a 20 grand whatever it is arcade machine at home 
So I think that the expectation of what you got for your money, people weren't used to, you know, massive campaigns, you know, storylines, voice acting, you know, Hollywood, you know, actors and actresses being the characters. There was, was nothing of that. So looking at it today, you would look at it and go, I mean, somebody brought a, a 45 quid version of Daytona out of the day. Um, it would be laughed at the park, <laughs> you know, um, in terms of content. But again, the reason why we started the Sega Guys reviews is because we're trying to, to bring that knowledge forward and those memories um, and that kind of mindset from back then, you know, to talk about that today. And, and it, back then, it, it wasn't an issue. I mean, you were used to going out whether it was to the arcade, to the ball and alley, whatever you seen Daytona and, and you know, chucking money in. And at that time, people would probably go, well, that's been in the arcade for, what, two years by that point? Yeah. So how, how much had you spent in the arcade playing it? You know, so every time you hit start on your Saturn controller, that was a quid. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> it was. You know what I mean? That, that, that was the mindset. That That's how it was. How so, much I put in over the years? <laughs> well, you know, if every time you hit restart and Sega Rally's a quid, I'm telling you, <laughs> the Saturn version saved me a fortune. So, um, I I think in terms of a game just now, if you come to today and you look at it, there's not a lot there. It's, it's very basic. You know, two cars. There is a Saturn mode uh, with some extra stuff in there, but um, three tracks, mirror modes, you know, a couple of cars to pick from. It's very basic, but it's an arcade port. However, at that time, again, people looked at it as every time you hit start, that's a quid. And you were you, you didn't have to get the bus into the town or to the arcade. You know that hassle. You just put a disc in your nice shiny new Sega Saturn, hit start, and Daytona was in the house. Yeah, all good points, mate. I um I'm gonna be a little bit more complimentary of it, and I I think that it's for the time especially, and as you say, the time is important of this, I think it's got a decent amount of content mm-hmm. because, yes, it's only got the three tracks, um, but you've got two modes on there. You've got you've got the arcade mode and you've got Saturn mode. Saturn mode's got a bunch of cars to unlock. I mean, how many cars is there? I think there's another extra six or eight cars that you can unlock by, you know, clearing the game at different difficulties and different tracks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you've got the horse to unlock. Which, uh... <laughs> we alluded to at the start. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I think you've got mirror, reverse mode. Uh, you've got five time settings and five difficulty settings. So, again, it's it by today's standards, paying 45 quid for that. Sorry, like, what? what? <laughs> 45 quid for that? <laughs> But to get a game that when the arcade was cutting edge in the home, as you say, um, but also to have a, a few extra bits on there. And dare I say that it's probably one of the m- more generously packed Saturn arcade ports. Mm-hmm. Some of them, I mean, Virtua Fighter, had, I don't think it had anything, did it? No. And uh, Mike's TT's got very, very little as well. And that came way later. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it's. I think it's it's fine. I don't think it's that terrible. And, and mate, both you and I have both said on this podcast that we play it fairly regularly. <laughs> I mean, I'm <laughs> I'm still absolutely useless at it. My, I put everything on very easy, and I can just about get around. Um, but uh, yeah, I think once you start getting to 
where you were a Sega Rally and starting to try and beat time, <laughs> then it becomes a different beast. Exactly. I mean, the only track I struggle to actually play on is the expert track. Yeah. The- um, that at times the flaws with the port, the frame rate, and the pop in is more detrimental. But three seven speedway and Dinosaur Canyon are are fine. Um, they're my kind of two my two go tos. I, I, I can alternate between those two um, whenever I'm playing them, um, and that's the two I'm kind of starting to time attack on <laughs> just now. But you can chase horses around <laughs> the, the full art expert track. You can go off. You can go off piste and start just doing, and you can make Jeffrey start breakdancing. That's right. Yeah, you can <laughs> make, make the Jeffrey statue breakdance. Yeah, that's right. You stop in front of it. Don't care if you were first, just stop and put the, the code in with the controller and make them yeah. break dance. Brilliant. Again, the, yeah. you know. That's another thing about it. There's loads of hidden stuff. It's like if you put your initials in at the end, if you do um, O.R or O.R, <laughs> then the music <laughs> and then the music will stop. And then I think Magical Sound Shower starts playing from right. that one. Okay. Uh, if you put A.B in, then it starts playing music from Afterburner. I there's, didn't know that. There's absolutely loads of those. I mean, that that voice you did there—that that cracks me up. See the game over. G A M E O V E R G A M E O V E R. Game over. Game over. Game over. Game over. That one, right? Honestly, how many listeners we just lost because of that, right? But that cracks me up. That wee bit, that game over. Honestly. That's where we've got to sign this pod off with, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. You know what's going to happen to us, huh? Yeah. Oh, dear. Oh, but, uh, <laughs> there's loads of them. I'm just looking on uh, game FAQs. And there's a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So 16 lines, and they're five codes each. So there are. <laughs> Bloody hell. There are about 40 soundtracks in there. Jesus. <laughs> and you've got stuff like, I can see Pi, Lao, VR, VF. So they're uh, all on the disc? There's one that says sex. So <laughs> <laughs> there's loads. Um, so yeah, it's uh, <clears throat> that's a lot of stuff. It's, it's got, as I say, mate, it's got a load of, um, a load of different uh, options in there, loads of different un- unlockables. <clears throat> It's got reverse tracks, it's got mirror tracks. You know, compare that to the game that Daytona is often compared to from that era, which is Ridge Racer. Um, and that's very stingy with the content. Yes. It's got one track, which, you know, there's two routes, but there's what um, Dudley on Yesterzine called Afterfall Alley, which <laughs> I think that's, a brilliant, I think that's a brilliant way to describe it. I, uh... you, know the bit, you know the bit we mean? Yeah. You go, you go through the you know, the, you start off and you've got the big building and it's all fireworks and you go, and then you go around the mountain and you go through and then you kind of get to this crappy <laughs> walled off. Aye. Yeah. Exactly where you are. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So you look at the design of Daytona USA. I mean, it had, it had a, a lot of things going for it that they, that Ridge Racer didn't. The only problem was that it wasn't as arcade perfect, but yeah, it definitely had the longevity, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at all the stuff you've just, I mean, the Easter egg stuff that the soundtracks, I had no idea about them. So that is something literally after we finish recording. These I'm going to go and try out. <laughs> yeah, got to, mate. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks for that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's your night sorted. As I, <laughs> I've got, 
Vi skulle have nemt til at sige, at som ikke ser. TV volume maximum. <laughs> After bonding an out one, played through Daytona. <laughs> <laughs> Neighbors wondering, what is that noise? Oh! Oh! <laughs> oh, dear. But yeah, so obviously, this wasn't the only port, so I think we'll do a couple of the comparisons now for yes. what right actually came and we can't not talk about Championship Circuit Edition. Oh, um, man. What a disappointment. Yeah. Um, I got my copy. Oh, when did I get my copy? I got. I had a copy back in the day, and I think I sold it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just remember picking it up and thinking, first of all, this looks different. Mm-hmm. It didn't. I don't think it necessarily looked better. Maybe cleaner is one way of saying it. Aye, um, I think it fixed a lot of the pop-in. The frame rate was better, the texture work was better, but the angle of the camera was way wrong. Um, The handling is completely non-existent. Um, And even the car model, it doesn't even look like the Hornet. It doesn't at all. Apart from saying Hornet on it, it's got Mm -hmm. nothing in common with it. I mean, the stripes way too thin the color the colors are completely off the font on it is completely wrong it, it's just not it's not the hornet it's it's um it's, it's an imposter <laughs> i it's, yeah i mean i remember the previews in sega saturn magazine and i remember the excitement around us um rich ledbetter as well digital foundry again you know he was lord sega saturn tears in our, our teenage years you know on sega saturn magazine as, as the editor mm. Um, and the excitement levels for for Championship Circuit Edition were were tangible because, you know, as as much as they'd enjoyed Daytona as a port, this was that it. it was the Sega Rally team were taking it on. We'd seen how good Sega Rally as a port was. These guys were going to give us the version of Daytona that the Saturn deserved and that yeah. the Saturn owners deserved. And it it's a very good if you could put NASCAR on it and sell it as a, a generic NASCAR game, it would do very well, but it ain't Daytona. No. Um, the handling is appalling. Um, I've tried it so many times. I've got another copy now. Um, it's actually uh, in an in an original Daytona USA box for some reason when I got it in a bundle. It's, it's, <laughs> it's CCE, the CCE disc and the CCE manual. But it's in a, truly an imposter then, mate. Yeah. <laughs> put on my uh, put on my Sonic the Hedgehog, uh, Sonic Adventure Two voice. I found you, Faker. <laughs> <laughs> that was sensational. <laughs> Dango, Sonic just came in there. <laughs> I think you're the fake Daytona around here. You comparing <laughs> yourself to me? Ha! You're not even good enough to be my fake. <laughs> oh, that's outstanding. <laughs> oh. oh, but it's it's. I think it's poor, mate. I've heard that the Japanese version plays better yeah I, that, that was just called circuit edition yeah and it actually has the original daytona soundtrack yeah. as well that's the version i've got on my fenrir um, oh yeah and i've i've played it and again the handling's not there um i think the fact that as good as the tracks look um the fact that the the cars are sm- look the horn that doesn't even it doesn't look the horn that, and it it's the cars look smaller like yeah. that's the thing about Saturn's like original Daytona. The horn that looked massive on the screen. It looked like the arcade. Oh, yeah, it's huge. Big big car, and everything was just so, so much 
scaled back the way in terms of the camera. Um, it just it lost that look. Um, so I, it's the handling's a wee bit different to the PAL version, but it still isn't Daytona. Um, and they tried to save it by putting the original music in there. Um, yeah, and it, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't. No, if it doesn't play right, it's it's just uh, it's just not Daytona, is it? Which you know, I think for the next version that we talk about or that we touch on, the two thousand and one version that came to Dreamcast, mm-hmm. it applies just as much. Again, this was a version that you, you've seen the previews. Um, my original copy. This was a Japanese copy I picked up from CA Games. Um, and I didn't actually find out until like years later that the Western releases had adjustable control sliders, whereas the Japanese version, the controls are the controls, and that's it, you're stuck with it. Um, and again, 60 FPS, bright colours, the horn, again, the design isn't, I don't like the design of the cars in Daytona 2001 at all. Um, but it brought that correct camera height and distance so that they had that big arcade card in your face again, um, unless you choose to play eyes out or, or bumper. Um, that's different. But again, the handling was just not what you would come to expect from Daytona. It just felt nothing like the arcade. It felt nothing like the, the original Saturn game. Um, and as I said, even now I've, I've long since played the the PAL and the American version where you can adjust the sliders. I've been on YouTube, I've been on Reddit, um, trying to find people's settings for the, the sliders to, to see where they felt that it felt closest. I've tried so many variations and none of them capture it. You can go into drifts quite easily. Um, you know, that part, it's not an issue. You know, like getting into a drift is quite easy to do with tweaking the settings and things like that, but it feels very, depending on the way you set it up, it can feel too floaty or too heavy. There's not that perfect sweet spot that you got with Saturn Daytona. Yeah, I agree, mate. I've actually only ever played it emulated um, because I've never been able to get a copy myself. But what I played, yeah, I couldn't find the right setting for my controller. Um, and I did think it was, and I did think it was because I was playing emulated. But then I read that everyone else is having the same issue. And, <laughs> and I didn't even know that the Japanese version didn't like, didn't let you, didn't have sliders in it. Yeah, you know, yeah, just I... that that is what you must play with. <laughs> and that's why when I got it on the Dreamcast, I barely played it because <laughs> it just wasn't enjoyable. Looked gorgeous, ran brilliant, played shit. Yeah, yeah um, and I think. Uh, Again, we're referencing the DF Retro video here, but that's what John Linwin says exactly that and says they, you know, the Saturn version runs at a third of the frame rate, um, but it doesn't play, the Dreamcast version doesn't play as smoothly. Um, I think, what's it? He says the, the Dreamcast version doesn't play as smoothly as the twitchy Sega Saturn version. <laughs> it doesn't even play as smoothly as the much choppier Sega Saturn that's version. That's the much choppier <laughs> Sega Saturn version. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it looks. Aside from the cars and the cars, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing there because the the what is going on with the wheels on them? It doesn't look anything like the the original. Horn. It's like it's like you've got this car and then it, for some reason it's got massive wheel arches coming out the side. I and it, the front of it looks bizarre as well. Like I don't know. I just don't know what they were doing with the design of the car. I just well, they tried to modernize it. I don't know. Or, 
they try to futurize the cars or something. I don't know what they were trying to do, but it's it, it just loses. You see, again, when you take that that visual hook away, you know the handling is one part, and the look of the Hornet is it's iconic. I mean, it's a it's a playable character in Fighters Mega Max for Christ's sake. You know <laughs> that, that's how iconic this car is yeah. in, in Sega history. So you remove that. I just I don't like and that horrible cheap metallic sheen that they put on it as well it just as if the, the sun's smacking off the side of it, it just looks too shiny and uh, I just don't uh, it's, it's, it's like trying to imitate the look that you used to get in Model 3 games but it looks more natural in Model 3 games or is that, that is a bloody sport? good, that, that's a good point I yeah it's yeah. It, you know in Virtual Fighter 3 in the arcade you, it, in Daytona USA 2 um, in its various versions, they they do have that look, but it doesn't look as forced. It's just one of three games just had that sheen, didn't they? Yeah, that's a, that's a very very good comparison, mate. Aye, that's that Neil hitting the head. Yeah, so I think they were the only other. We, they had the PC ports, but I've got to hold my hands up, mate. I said, I've never played any of the PC ports myself. That's same, um, and I think we've mentioned it enough. I think if anyone else wants a deeper dive into into those versions, there are some very good videos out there. So there's the DF Retro video, and there's also the Retro Core Battle of the Ports comparison between them. But I think, you know, it's very much comes down to what me and you are saying, mate, in that the graphics have issues, but the sale, the, the sound is nailed on, the gameplay is spot on, and uh, there's probably a little bit more longevity that people actually give it credit for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... Final thoughts then. I mean, how did it review at the time? <laughs> let's uh, let's take a look at some uh, some review scores. I mean, it, it actually reviewed quite well. <laughs> Shocker! <laughs> Imagine that. It's uh, and and this is actually after it came out. The the Saturn version came out in April, so people had been playing Bridge Racer by this point, um, and they knew they knew. You know, looking at the comparison, they they gave them these scores with with this in mind. So Sega Pro gave it ninety four percent. I mean, shocker! There, it's like uh, me and you raving about it, mate. <laughs> Top marks from Sega Saturn magazine as well. You know, obviously. What did they give it? Uh, all I can see here is uh, five stars. I'm not even sure if it got reviewed in Sega Saturn magazine. I've just been reviewed in Sega magazine at the time before. Oh, uh, right before they changed over, eh? Yeah, um, but you know. Edge gave it 8 out of 10, and we know how stingy Edge are with their review scores. Um, Bloody hell. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I think that's when they were they were really trying to be that next-gen, if they were like the future of video gaming, was all the adverts you used to see for Edge at the time. Uh, that's right. Yeah. Um, Games Master gave it 84, which is probably the lowest I've seen so far of it. But CVG gave it 96. 96%. <laughs> Did they? Yeah. <laughs> It's just massive. Mean Machines ninety six, Games World ninety four. It <laughs> it reviewed well. Next Generation a uh, four out of five. You know, for all the narrative that you get when you talk when people talk about these, and you and I've heard I've heard podcasts, I've seen videos, and people going, "Well, when you had Daytona USA and Ridge Racer sitting next to each other, and it's <laughs> well, maybe from a visual standpoint, but." When you compare everything else, there was a lot of very, very good game in there. Mm-hmm. And those scores, again, are coming from people who 
were living at the time in the era and were playing, you know, other games and other systems and going to the arcade and who appreciated what the Saturn for its price point and its technology were trying to do. You know, those those, those scores do not tie in with what is becoming the modern day narrative. You know, and I think again those scores pretty much tie in with how, how we view the game. And again, it is important to keep that in mind that, you know, this was a £400 home console, you know, with a second CPU tossed in, you know, <laughs> late in the day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, trying to emulate a game on arcade technology, which was setting new boundaries for not just arcade gaming but just gaming in general 60 fps textured um polygons you know it was doing so much in advance of anything else and the sega saturn stood up and went i'll have a shot at that but that yeah. gets forgotten the, the 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 finer points and the, the depth of the story behind it get forgotten all that gets brought up is you know pop in muddy textures it's crap yeah, no. which is unfair. I think it is, mate. Um, it's why I'm I'm glad that some of these comparison videos and stuff do exist because they do highlight the fact that it plays so well. Um, I think to, to to quote the retro call video, it plays like a dream despite looking like a nightmare. <laughs> I mean, that's that's fair. That's very fair. Hi, <laughs> but at the end of the day, what do people continually say? Playability Game, is everything. Gameplay over graphics, mate. Absolutely. Uh, and it had it. Um, I just, yeah, it's just a shame. And I think, I think it gets, because you had Daytona USA and it, as we've already said, it didn't look as authentic as, or, or arcade comparable as Ridge Racer did. But then, you know, <clears throat> there was that for the Sega Sam. But then seven months later, Sega Rally comes along, and that's uh, a different kettle of fish, which makes Daytona look visually even worse. So I think that, I think it very quickly got a reputation that visually it deserved, arguably, but in terms of everything else, it was still an outstanding game. Mm-hmm. And I think the reviews of the era reflect that. One hundred percent. You know, it's again. I think Sega Rally, because of just how good a port that was, I think that in itself is also maybe something that's used to beat Daytona because yeah, people go, you know, oh, that's what that's what Daytona could have been, you know. But you've got to remember, you know, Sega Rally was, you know, and and maybe the criticisms of Daytona is what made Sega take the extra care. And commitment to Sega Rally on the Saturn. We just don't know. We don't know how far along it was and what decisions were made with Sega Rally um, behind the scenes. But you know, Sega Rally is just. We've said it so many times on this podcast. The Saturn has no right to do Sega Rally like it does. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Um, and I think yeah, the, the the Sega Rally impact is what ultimately gave us Championship Circuit Edition. Um, because people were saying, "Well, what what could these team what could this team do with Daytona USA?" And we saw what they could do with it. And yeah, it looks cleaner, but it didn't play the way that it did when AM2 handled it themselves. Mm-hmm. That's what they say. 
We said it before. Gameplay is king. It is, mate. So, if we were to score this one, I don't know. What do you want? Out of five? What would you give it out of five? Oh, we're going for out of five. We, oh, do you know, this is the first one, so it's oh. up for debate, mate. <laughs> mate, I'd, I'd done it old school. I'd, I'd given each of the categories a score and then done an average. Oh, have you? Go on, then. <laughs> I'll, I'll do something similar. Right, so I've gone for graphics seven. Yeah. So, sound ten. Gameplay nine and longevity seven, which gives us an average of 8.25. Okay. I have gone six for graphics, uh, nine for sound. Nine for sound, nine for gameplay, and nine for nine for longevity. But I'm not going to take an average. <clears throat> I'm just going to say I'd give it a, a solid eight, eight and a half out of, out of ten. So we're we're pretty much on the same the same path there. I think yeah. I think if I was reviewing it back in April 1995, I'd probably go a little higher, much like those reviews have. Mm-hmm. But I think if you're looking at it objectively as a as a way that it plays now. The fact that you can get it on the Saturn for buttons, um, even less if you've got a, an ODE, you can just dump the run on there. It's not going to cost you anything. <laughs> <Shh>. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> you know, because of the historical significance, the way it plays, the amount of fun that you'll get out of it, solid eight, eight and a half. Right. You, but back back in 94 or 95, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a nine, nine and up. It's uh, stupendous. It's actually, I think I've touched on this before, mate. It's my, it was out of the three games I got bundled with my Saturn. Uh, the Virtua Fighter 2, Sega Rally, and Daytona USA. It's actually Daytona USA that was my second most played until I actually figured out how to play Sega Rally. Actually, <laughs> you put Sega Rally and I went, I don't like this. Yeah, I played it in Argos. And I was like, oh, it's hand into all over the place. I'm not playing this. <laughs> Oh, there you go. Yeah. But yeah, that's, um, I think that's a wrap then, mate. So uh, brilliant just to, to have you back on, mate, and the dynamic duo firing on all cylinders once again with tangents and... <laughs> tangents and singing, singing badly. Um, <laughs> Cider-powered singing. I've done two cans of copper recording this, so <laughs> if we're going to do another couple to get them in the bag, mate, I might get worse as it gets on. <laughs> Uh, if you're listening to this in order on on Podbean or Spotify or whatever, take note. <laughs> James will get more pissed as the episodes go on. Take a shot. I've seen this bit in a podcast. <laughs> I was there. Uh, I was talking to a monkey all day. Oh dear, mate. Well, we'll put this one in the bag then. So back to our listeners. Thanks for tuning in. As ever, if you want to give us your thoughts to Sega Rally, uh, Sega Rally, Daytona USA. That's my fault. <laughs> Whoops. I'm not even drinking. don't know what my excuse is. <laughs> We'd love to hear what you think of Daytona USA on the Saturn. Does the port get all the deserve all the hate that it gets? Does it actually play like a dream? Do you side with me and James? Let us know. You can catch me at super, score, uh, super underscore D. You can catch James at the Segaholic, and you can, you can message the team at Sega Guys. But until next time, stay retro and stay Sega. Cheers, guys. Congratulations, Congratulations. You, you place, place first. first. <laughs>